it. So I'm Holly. I am a consultant lived experience practitioner and integrative counsellor. So I'm Kia Hardin. I'm an occupational therapist, DBT therapist. I've got an MSc in what is described as personality disorder. And me and Holly work together trying to help um, predominantly traumatised young women avoid being stuck in private hospitals for years on end. Do you want to, Holly, start by summarising what you've done over the last couple of days and why you decided to do it? Okay, uh, so we did a talk this morning about the use of outvaria placements and that comprised um, so a, a lived experience viewpoint from Natasha Beauchamp who um, had had kind of 10 years solid experience of being warehoused um, and then uh, Jorge Zimbron talked about uh, the Bigsford report and then we talked about our alternative to uh, placement um, and kind of described the work that we do and why it's useful for people and how it generally differs quite significantly from what we see being offered in the community by the NHS. And what do you think is the solution to what's going on with that area placements? Is this a kind of political problem more than a clinical service problem? I think it's both. I think it's both. I think organisations are very frightened um, and if they can offload the risk elsewhere, they do. Um, but also, there's, there's a lot of money involved and it serves a function, I think, for the NHS and for the providers. Um, and people keep things under wraps um, and there needs to be more of a conversation about it. And there's a tension care here, isn't there? Because the people that are doing a lot of the private provision are actually here at the conference. So they are, yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of debate about whether they should be exhibiting or allowed to talk or even be present. And, and there's a lot of different kind of views on that. Um, I think one of my difficulties is that for every um, inadequate private unit I see all of the people in there have been put there by the NHS. Mm -hmm. So there aren't any kind of goodies and baddies in this. The NHS definitely <laughs> offers up some poor care. You know, I've seen it, I've probably been a part of it. Um, so it's really hard to think about who do we stop talking to in this conversation. Um, we can stop talking to private providers. We can stop talking to people who fill the beds of private providers. But what we really need to be talking about is how frightened our clinicians and services are. And it doesn't get talked about. It was like one of the central opening themes of the review of the Mental Health Act. Staff are frightened. We're not managing the risks to our patients. We're managing the risks to ourselves. Mm. A brilliant way of managing risk is to get that person in a private hospital 100 miles away. That absolves local staff of any responsibility whatsoever. And if somebody dies in there, the coroner will say you should have watched them more. They'll never say they should never have been in that hospital in the first place. So we definitely need to be having more conversations about frightened staff and organisations. It's not just about resources. It's not just about training. Mm -hmm. It's about fear and blame. And we manage that fear and blame by doing some quite despicable things to the people that we work with. And I find the idea of, like, we won't talk to providers, we'll boycott providers being at the conference... 
um, and all of that. It doesn't. It doesn't stop people from being there. And if we stop talking to the people that are holding on to people, what happens? People stay there, and that I think that's not thought about nearly enough. It's all well and good saying private providers are awful, but they they still exist, and the, and people are still being housed there. And if we take a sort of temperature check of risk relating to mental health patients um, in our hospitals and, and, you know, just generally how we feel in services about how we manage risk, what direction are we travelling in? <laughs> and what's the good stuff that's happening to get us moving to positive risk-taking sort of situations? So I suppose one of the things I see is that actually we might be going in the wrong direction. Mm. Uh, we might be talking about zero suicide. And, you know, everybody wants zero suicide. Um, but is that possible? And then what pressure does that put on staff? Because often the way to make it look like you have done everything is to admit someone and pile restriction upon people. I mean, you need to put a lot of restriction on people to save one life. And we need to weigh up whether lots of people being quite brutalised is mm. worth it for um, the, the hundreds of people who have to go through that for it to be effective. Um, what I think has been really useful in this conference is just that real emphasis on relational working, trying to do um, things with shared power and equality, uh, trying to involve people in their care that bit more. And you can't do that in very frightened organisations. I think the more we do that and the more we can communicate to the wider public that brutalising people to keep them safe isn't an effective way to go forward. I think that's some of the conversations that might let staff feel a bit safer in the work they do. You also both ran a more sort of, I don't know, philosophical session this afternoon where we were talking about how we can kind of address the label and... Some of the solutions uh, at a kind of political level or a sort of service level or a media level to that. Do you want to just summarise what that was all about and what you took away from it? It was about kind of like getting to the point where, you know, we've, we've had this diagnosis for a long time. There's been lots of efforts to destigmatise it, and for me, they failed. Um, it, it comes so preloaded with stigma and judgment mm. that it has lost all value and we need to do something else. We cannot, we cannot start telling children that their personalities are disordered, as the ICD-11 would encourage us to do. So it is that need to do something different. Um, if we were going to take that kind of political media um, service theme, I think the service one is we need to start exploring either non-diagnostic models or a different construct that can explain the difficulties of the people that we're working, working with. Because the suffering is very real. Um, but... Or there has to be a choice. Um, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, you, you're given a label that might not necessarily describe your difficulties all that well. And if there is an alternative, then people might want to use that. But also, I appreciate that some people also find the diagnosis useful, and that's fine. But I want people to understand my difficulties in a way that I identify with, not in a way that I know is 
filled with stigma and will impact my care. And I think when people are given a diagnosis, they don't know the impact that that diagnosis will have. And I think people have to be much more transparent about that. Although still for me, I think if somebody walks into the clinic and says, I think my personality is disordered, I don't want clinicians helping people to think like that. I, you know, it, it, it's an, it's understandable, but I think we should be trying to move people as as thinking about themselves as probably having. And I don't disagree, but I think people should have power in that yeah. in that choice. Indeed. So people can't see us pulling faces at each other now as we're doing <laughs> this. Um, but yeah, we were kind of thinking about kind of services, politically, um, media. Um, in terms of media, I don't think the public as a whole know that there's a big move to tell children their personalities are disordered. I don't think the public as a whole would think about people who survived something like Rotherham um, and think, what will services do to help those people? They will tell them their personalities are disordered. Uh, I think the public would be a lot... would be horrified to think that that is how we treat survivors of neglect and abuse. So there's, there's getting more of that message into the dialogue um, all we've heard lately is Amber Heard and BPD and, mm. and the stuff that's come out of that will will potentially help the public catch up with the stigma in the NHS but that's, that's no good politically it's really interesting to see things like what platform um, the charity in Wales are doing to lobby the government to say we don't think we should be using personality disorder as a diagnosis and, and that's a very overtly political approach that we could maybe approach other charities for, you know, and it doesn't just have to happen in Wales, could this happen in other places? You know, in Scotland, where they've got a member of the Assembly, is it, um, saying, you know, this is my diagnosis, I identify with a diagnosis of BPD. That's a political chink in um, to get people thinking about how we categorise people in a way that doesn't come with a toxicity of, of the label that we've got at the moment. How do you see this kind of being taken forward? You, d- you did the workshop, you summarised the thoughts of 30-odd people, you've now got some kind of constructive suggestions. How does Big Spud take that to the next step? Uh, well, I suppose one of the things with Big Spud is that we, we had a vote of, do we take personality disorder out of Big Spud as an entity? Does it just become big or something else? And the vote went 19 to 18, we should keep being called Big Spud. So I don't know if Big Spud as a whole has that momentum to, right, we need to find different ways of exploring things. But I think there are members of Big Spud who do not like referring to people as having disordered personalities and really want to have a change. So that's where I think we try and grow a movement of people who would like to maybe share some of their experiences with the press, would like to share some of their staff experiences of seeing poor practice with the press, who might want to write to their MPs or charities and just start to build that bit of momentum to say, if we are fed up with this now, what are we going to do? Um... There's a pot of money in Big Spud for doing small research projects, so being able to explore different diagnostic frameworks, I think, is another thing that we could be doing. So there's lots of things there. Probably the most useful thing to do is get a collection of people together who say, I'm fed up with it now, and between us all, let's take some collective action to lobby and influence and push for change. (laughs) 